Hello, everyone, and welcome to 2019, the new year, and welcome to the new episode of Recover Everything, where we have honest discussions about everything in recovery. I'm your host, Chris West. Please subscribe and listen to us on all the major streaming platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on all the major streaming platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. I don't know what they do on Tumblr, but I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And don't forget to go on our website and leave us a comment. Talk to us. Uh, we want some more audience engagement, and we have a few things in the works for that. On this week's episode, we have Eden Pastor, an art and transpersonal therapist here in Las Vegas. I think this was a very vulnerable episode, which is fitting when it comes to art. Art is a very vulnerable thing. Creating, in general, is very vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there and hoping hoping you make a connection, I guess, with people in some way, shape, or form. Anyways, very informative episode. A lot of good tips. A lot of heart, I think. And my co-host today is Caitlin Martinez. Enjoy. So this is a joke that I think my father, I know my father told me I was maybe like 13 years old. Okay. So it's one of those kind of dad corny jokes. Okay. So three ropes walk into a bar. Okay. And the first rope goes up to the bartender and says, hey man, I'd like gin and tonic. Mm -hmm. The bartender looks at him and says, hey, are you a rope? He says, yeah. So we don't serve ropes around here. Get out of here. Kicks him out. The other two ropes are like, hmm, what's that about? So the second rope went up to the bartender and said, hey, man, I need a margarita. And the bartender looks him up and down and says, wait, are you a rope? He says, yeah. The bartender says, well, get out of here. We don't serve ropes. So the last rope is sitting by himself and he watched everything that happened. So he goes up into the bathroom, ties himself in a knot, and frays out the end. Goes back to the bartender and says, Hey man, can I get a Long Island iced tea? The bartender looks at him and says, Hmm, are you a rope? He says, I'm afraid not. (laughs) I was wondering where that was going. (laughs) You like that one. (laughs) That was a great joke. You're... Now, officially the first guest to start the episode off with a joke. Oh, right on. Well done. done. I like the dad joke. (laughs) Sorry, you were muted. Oh, well done. I like the dad joke. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Recover Everything. I'm your host, Chris West. My co-host today is Caitlin Martinez. Hello, everyone. And our guest today is Eden Pastor. That's how you say your last name, right? Yeah. Pastor. Pastor, yeah. Like the guy who, uh, was it the milk guy? 
the milk guy. You like pasteurized milk? No. Louis that's, Pasteur? That's Pasteur. That's a French, yes, oh. different spelling as well. Fair uh, enough. People confuse me with being a pastor in a church. Oh, really? Very, very different. <laughs> in fact, my last name is of Jewish uh, you know, oh, so quite, quite not the yes, same at all. Not at all. But I have been updated to a first class ticket because they thought I was a pastor. <laughs> cool really? perk. Yeah. Pastor Eden versus Eden pastor. That's mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> I took it by of the course, way. If you I, were I would for sure. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> what do you do, Eden? Uh, well, I am an art therapist. A lot of people don't really know what art therapy is, at least the clinical art psychotherapist type of work that I do. But I'm working at an addiction center here in town as well as having my own private practice. So can we talk about what art therapy actually is? Sure. Yes. Sure. So I have to say that um, even therapists that don't study art therapy, they just don't understand it. Yeah, it's very true. I'm a therapist and I know a little bit about it, but a lot of people feel out of their element or uncertain. So yeah, that, or they decide to try to incorporate some art therapy directives into their practice and then also call themselves an art therapist or say that they do art therapy when they don't have the training to do so. No, my graduate program was three years. Mm -hmm. So it took, you know, it takes that long. Right. So for someone to take like a six hour workshop and then say, I offer art therapy, it's kind of a kick to my gut personally. Or no, no workshop and just bring out the paints. Yeah, that too. So I think the main difference though, um, is that you can do art in a session, Mm -hmm. but the difference between doing art in a session and doing art therapy is really different. Mm -hmm. I'm trained to understand what each different art material does what emotions it may evoke, what emotions it may calm, um, the way it works with the brain and just sort of more controlled environment. Mm -hmm. But uh, really it's just about a inner journey that people go on and I'm there to help facilitate that uh, rather than, it's not analysis, you know. Mm -hmm. We do have assessment tests, art art therapy assessment tests, but it's not, here, draw this for me and let me find out all about you right Mm, that was that was gonna be my next question yeah well i'm wondering about your journey to become an art therapist where did that start like when did you have that spark to go down that path yeah uh well of course one of the requirements to be an art therapist is to be an artist okay and that's definitely been a passion ever since i can remember um, I have two very creative parents, so especially my mother, she really put a lot of materials in my hands at a young age. So it's definitely been my lifelong pas- passion so far. But um, I ended up going back to college. That's kind of a long story, but when I was uh, about 28, I think, something like that, <clears throat> and I had to start from scratch. And it, I had just experienced what Uh, someone in transpersonal psychology, we refer to it as a spiritual emergency. Okay. Something that kind of just cracks you open Mm -hmm. and changes your life forever. And that happened to me. And it was because of that experience that I decided to go back to school. And I was studying psychology because it was my other second love. And, you know, of course, we're always told, don't go into art. You're not going to make any money in art, right? right. 
<clears throat> so I was, I was following my second passion, which was psychology. And it was during that time that I found out that there was an actual profession that incorporated both art and psychology. Right. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. That's gotta be it. So you could marry your two passions together Absolutely. and create a career or yeah. and some healing. Yeah, yeah. Art is uh, naturally, you know, intrinsically healing. Mm -hmm. Anyone who engages in it feels different afterwards. Right. Yeah, it's it's beautiful activity. Yeah. Is there a reason why uh, people feel better after creating something? I mean, like yeah. scientifically? Yeah, actually, a lot of things are going on in your brain, but ultimately it's relaxing. Mm -hmm. And so it just lowers your blood pressure. If someone is experiencing a lot of anxiety, it's a good activity to just get into. I will say, though, I do want to clarify coloring, like coloring books. That is oh, not art mandala. therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is relaxing and it's cool. It's a meditative process for sure. Sitting right. there, you know, doing that, but it's not art therapy. So would it be like more something from scratch? Like that you just, is it more therapeutic if it's from scratch? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. I don't know if it's, how do you, how can you really say, if you like to color and you just want to sit there and color and it makes you feel better, mm -hmm. how is that? How can I compare it to if I'm sitting here doing an oil painting, if it's just giving me the same result? Well, you know I'm, what I'm, I mean? the only reason I'm asking is you said coloring was not art therapy. Well, see, because art therapy is an actual technical term, which okay. people. So explain that technical term. Well, you me. can go into like bookstores, right? And mm -hmm. you'll see all these art therapy coloring books, mm -hmm. but. It's the, trending right now. Yeah, absolutely. The true definition of art therapy is that it requires a therapeutic relationship mm. for it to be art therapy. And There's what, art as therapy. Okay. It's different. So how do you how do you establish that that relationship? Is just, it just, just like any other therapist does? Okay. Yeah. Um, talking just like this, building some rapport with other people. Is there specific uh, types of are projects that you lead off with, with, with like a new client or like, do you have to read somebody and be like, okay, I think this guy would rather do this than this. Both. Okay. Both. I mean, I definitely have my little bag of tricks, right? Things that I can fall back on that I just know will work or, you know, relax somebody. But I would rather listen to somebody's story and then say, I think this is exactly what's going to happen today. Let's do this. Uh, and with, with art, it, it doesn't mean specifically painting or building. It could can it mean music and mm. like other things? No, no, no. <laughs> In fact, music therapy has its own Fair profession, enough. right? There is a uh, there is a writing therapy, or they call it mm, narrative. It? Yes, thank you, narrative mm -hmm. therapy. So there's you know there's its own school too of that. So it's not necessarily the same, although all of those do, you know, tap into someone's creative instinct. Yeah. When, um, Chris, you were asking a minute ago if there is some kind of scientific backing to art therapy. I, I mean, this is not a study or anything, but I just think about, um, you know, in traditional talk therapy, you talk and then you have nothing to show for it. Maybe there's insight that's developed or some behavioral change, which is amazing and great. But I think it's really great that when you do art therapy, there's something tangible that you've created while you're working through your stuff. That's really cool. Yeah, that's actually um, a really good point because when we're creating something, um, well, first of all, let me go back. Art therapy is a type of therapy that 
you do not have to talk, mm-hmm. right? Which is, I think, for some people who have been yeah. doing a lot of talk therapy, it might be really nice. Yeah, but it's helpful for someone, uh, for example, who suffers from PTSD, mm-hmm. and they're not capable of talking about something that's happened to them yet. So someone who's experienced a trauma who just doesn't feel ready or even capable of being able to talk about what happened to them, they can use the art materials to express it, you know, tell their story. And it's it's non-invasive. You know, an artist really has the opportunity to use their own language. And if they don't want someone to necessarily know their story yet, they don't have to explain it. Mm-hmm. They just don't have to. One of the important pieces is that they just get it out from just sitting inside of their psyche and being alone with it. And now... Now that they have this wonderful creation in front of them, they have the opportunity to either share it, but they can also give it to me and say, here, can you just hold on to this for me? Mm -hmm. And they allow me to hold on to it for a while, which still frees up some space within their psyche. They can take it home and put it in their drawer and revisit with it when they're ready, Mm -hmm. if ever. Right. But at least it's no longer just sitting inside stagnant yeah yeah do you you ever get people that are um that don't take it like very seriously uh, during actual therapy well i mean not necessarily in my private practice but when i'm working you know like at the addiction center that Mm -hmm. i work at i'm working with 40 guys and at the same time yeah and they walk in and they think you know, oh, this is going to be stupid. And they kind of will make comments sometimes like mm-hmm. this is going to be a waste of time or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee by the end of at least one session with me, they are the first ones to say, thank you. I had no idea what this was like. And this was this has been the best class I've been to. And so do you think uh, doing art uh, brings out some like childlikeness in people? Absolutely. And it's like a, one like of the a freedom. Yeah, it's one of the, the, another, I just love art therapy. So I'm going to keep saying like, it's no, my favorite yeah, aspect to it. But like, yeah. it's a direct line to your inner, in your inner child. Mm-hmm. And as adults, we've, you know, basically been asked to no longer be a child. But our inner child is alive inside of us, no matter how old we become. And most of the time, if we're seeking therapy, especially when we're talking about recovery, the inner child has a lot of wounds mm-hmm. and it was never attended to. Right. There's a lot, there's a lot to say that's been quieted by the world or by experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we're adults, so you're not allowed to be a child anymore. Mm-hmm. But the majority of people, again, in this type of population, their childhood was stolen from them to begin with. So in doing art therapy, we do tap into our inner child and it's wonderful. Do you ever uh, not like people's art? <laughs> like, do you ever do you ever have people that you're just like, this is terrible? No, <laughs> no, because art therapy is not about the end product; it's okay. about the process. But on a side note, <laughs> I, can you draw to, something for me, Chris? <laughs> what yes. comes to mind is if someone was like taking it not seriously. Seriously. Yeah, but you know what? The that's unconsciousness okay won't lie. Okay. Yeah, that's. Every this is art, trickery. Every this is some art, kind of black magic going on with art therapy. Every art expression is a direct line to your unconscious. So you can sit here and try to trick me, 
but ultimately your body is going to express what it wants to express and your 10% of your consciousness and that's in you think is in control is not in control. Hmm. I really like that you say that you have these groups of men coming in and big groups, 40 people is a lot. Yeah. Um, And I can imagine in that setting, there's a lot of resistance, but that Mm -hmm. you put a medium in their hands and something happens and walls come down and, and they feel different when they leave. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, self-hate talk, you know, Mm. at the beginning with that group. Like I'm terrible or my drawings are terrible. Well, my draw, I can't draw, you know, this is going to suck. I suck at this. Here's a weird question. Mm. How many clients do you get that are colorblind? Mm-mm. Hmm. Not a lot. I'm just curious. That's Sorry. interesting. It's not one, a question that I typically ask either though. I come yeah. from a color, a family of colorblind males. So on my mom's side, all the men are colorblind mm. to my knowledge. Do you know what degree? Um, Cause you know, there's like four different, maybe. Yeah. Like my my it's uncle's like, colorblind. Like I guess he's all, all, everything that we would see as green, he sees as red. Yeah. Gr- they're green, red, blue, purple. Right. Yeah. Or, or you have red, all. Vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should get him those glasses. I'm in chroma. Yeah. I see my dad's colorblind and he's okay. the worst kind. So he doesn't see any color. Oh, so wow. you know a little bit about colorblindness. Then. I how, do. How's your, how's your dad's drawings look? <laughs> they look wild. I've never really sat and drawn with my dad. Maybe you should. <laughs> I will I will tell you this. My dad has in many ways influenced why I chose the pr- profession that I did. Oh. How so? I went to the exact opposite, uh, like pendulum swing. Okay. In a way. Did they, did your parents or your father specifically have a, a path that they wanted you to go down? Oh God, my dad wanted to meet me. Where did he, what was this college? Uh, I forget what it's called. John Jay College, yeah. which is like about, you know, people want to be in the FBI or CIA oh, really? go. Oh. And he was like, you got to go there. Wow. <laughs> you want me to be in the FBI? Like, I want to paint. <laughs> I want to play with clay. You want me to go catch some bad guys? No, yeah. thanks. How often huh. do you paint? Oh man, for myself? Yeah. Not nearly as much as I would like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I do have materials in my hands every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys, well, you guys can't see, but I've, I have paint on everything I own. It's awesome. <laughs> I love your everything. pants. Your pants are like, um, like a history of the paintings yeah. you've created. They're covered in different colored paints. It's really I, cool. I stopped dressing like a traditional therapist would because I was spending way too much money replacing, you know, yeah. my clothes. And I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I not just dressing for my job? Mm-hmm. But when someone comes to want to work with me, and I don't look like the professional therapist. I think they it might it might catch them off guard a little bit. So at this point, I just may make them, them a little up. bit more vulnerable. They're like, I, she's not dressed in a suit. Maybe I can relax. Maybe, maybe I guess. Yeah. I gave up on it though. Now I just I just wear my paint clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so. You went to school to become Sorry. an art therapist, which is specialized. It's not just um, kind of normal therapy yeah. training. It's different. It's unique. It is. So the school that I went to is called Naropa University in okay. Boulder, Colorado. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of art therapy programs right. around to right. start off. I think in the entire country, there's somewhere like maybe 6,000 art therapists. Right. Licensed, that's, that's, I should say. Licensed. That's not many. Not at all. Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> but my the program I went to, it was a transpersonal psychology program with a concentration in art therapy. So okay. I did that. And what, I, what is this transpersonal, you said? Yeah, transpersonal psychology. See, not a lot of people know what that is either. Mm-hmm. Well, even if do I you? know what it is, I've I'm heard of still it, I'm going to. I actually do know what it is. You do? Because I looked it up. Uh, but <laughs> I have to ask the question for the audience. <laughs> okay, so our listeners. You tell me what you think the definition of transpersonal psychology oh, is. It's Chris it, on the spot. Yeah. Isn't it a, like kind of like a, a spiritual therapist? Well, yes. Yeah. So the word. Win. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that's a win for me. I'll give it to you. Yeah. It's like a very shortened definition. Abridged version. Yeah, yeah. Abridged version. It's okay. So um, the word transpersonal. Mm-hmm. If you break that word apart, we've got trans, mm-hmm. which means beyond. Okay. And personal, which means the self. So beyond the self psychology. So mm-hmm. yes, it is, you know, very deeply spiritual work, but it's also um, transhumanistic. It's, uh, you know, the father of transpersonal psychology was Carl Jung. Okay. So if you think about his work. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of it is, uh, we're not. A lot of psychology is let's look at the ego, mm-hmm. right? Let's learn sure. about ourselves. Right. Where transpersonal psychology is, okay, let's learn about ourselves, but let's be more aware of our world around us, our environment, how we affect that world and how the world ends up affecting us. You know, like that theory of the, the butterfly wing? Mm-hmm. The butterfly mm-hmm. effect? Yeah, the butterfly effect. Yeah, exactly. It's like that. Like, let's raise your self-awareness so that you know, the whole world becomes a better place. Right. And you're not living in a vacuum that you're both creating um, impacts on the people around you and both impacted by those yeah. near you. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a shortened way of explaining it. So do you, is it like a when you do therapy with people, do you mesh both like the art therapy and the transpersonal? Tra- transpersonal? Yeah. And do you, do you sometimes do just just the the one or the other? Well, if you don't want to do art, it's okay. Okay. Because you know I'm I'm trained yeah. as any other therapist is. So sure. if you want to sit and talk, and that's fine, that's not a problem. Would you rather them draw a picture though? Not necessarily. Depends on the person. I want to draw now. Yeah. <laughs> When did you get into working in the recovery community? Was that a passion or interest of yours? Do you, And do you feel like art is particularly helpful for folks in recovery? Let's see. So once I finished my undergrad degree, okay. I actually went to a graduate program at UNLV for um, addictions. It was the, oh, okay. in the community counseling program. So I did that. But I left right at my internship. Okay. And I went to Naropa. Oh. Like I couldn't wait. I'm like, I, I can't even wait six oh, months. You, you found I'm just going. like your calling. So yeah. To say. Okay. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I've, I know addiction. I know addiction mm-hmm. because my family is riddled with it. Okay. Um, I know addiction because I've been working with a spiritual teacher for close to 20 years now, which, you know, addiction ultimately touches everybody. Mm-hmm. So when we're working together, our spiritual family it's the topic that everyone's talking about or not talking about or not there, right? It's there, but yeah. So I've been learning about addiction all my life, I guess mm-hmm. on, on the un- unfortunate version, but right. Yeah. It, so it's been a passion and, um, it certainly is important to me. 
And uh, when I left the addictions program at UNLV, I was like, God, I'd never want to work in this field. (laughs) (laughs) Never want to do it. And I find now, though, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I belong there. I understand the patients that come through. And uh, I really feel like I'm making a difference in their lives. And there's there's nothing better than to see someone just have those aha moments or just feel better about themselves, period. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're coming in off the streets or something, it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, You guys are both therapists. This is maybe a question either of you can answer. Is there a difference between working with people that are in recovery and are not? You you mean like if someone's coming in for depression versus someone who's coming in with an addiction as the primary? And depression? Yeah, I'd say it's a little different. How so? How so? Well, she's doing the interview now. (laughs) I would say, okay, let's say someone's coming in with depression, but Mm -hmm. there's also addiction present and you don't know about it. That happens a lot. Or you're coming into couples therapy and you're like, it's my husband. It's his problem. He's a jerk. But there's an addiction in the relationship and it's not being talked about. You're not going to make progress. It's going to be very difficult to make any lasting changes if the addiction is not addressed. It's a good question. Because uh, you both could not be working with people in recovery and just right. still doing the same things you guys are doing right now. Yeah. I'm yeah. just I'm just curious on, like she asked you, what specifically was like, I'm getting into recovery as opposed to not. Well, I think it just, karma, right? And synchronicity of the, the law of the universe that it's no... <sighs> It's no mistake that I'm working in the addiction field at this mm. point. Yeah. It's just what I know. Mm-hmm. And it, the universe just kept pushing me and pushing me into that, that field. Do just, you feel like it's what you were put here to do? That's a rough question. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's that I, I don't know. Because at this point, I have a three-year-old son. Okay. And I've always known that I was meant to be a mother. Right. So I actually can feel, I feel like... I was meant to be a mom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was meant to okay. work in addictions. Right. You like to. I love, I do. I love it. And I love being an art therapist and a transpersonal psychology counselor. I mean, I, I love it. So how does a uh, transpersonal psychology differ from regular psychology? Well, regular psychology isn't spiritually based. So, so if somebody had like a existential problem. Mm-hmm. Would it be more inclined to go there or? You mean come see a transpersonal yes. psychologist? Because uh, I have a lot of existential crises right now. You do? Yeah. See, the transpersonal field might say, is are you having one of those crises or are you having a spiritual emergency? Mm-hmm. We have a different language for, for a lot of things. It's a good question. Um, they both suck. <laughs> they do both suck. But I think in existentialism, you're asking a question where the spiritual emergency is kind of like, this shit happened to me and it's really fucked me up. Oh, then I now would say what do I, I do? I, I would say I have a spiritual emergency. You don't, you want to talk about it? Sure. All right. Like right now? Yeah. Huh. Let's do this. I, I have a... Uh, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to like block you out there, Caitlin. That's uh, fine. But it's okay. every time I try to do this with a guest, they say no. We do? No. Oh, the guest. The guest. Oh, well. I'm like, Eden hey. is open. I'm like, hey, Tyson, 
help me out here. And he's like, nah, that was a previous guest. Uh, he was great though. Um, I would say for the last few years, I've been losing this, the whole idea of like who I actually am. Okay. <clears throat> who you actually are? Well, I felt like somebody before and now I don't know. So who did you feel like before? Me. I felt like me. I don't feel like me anymore. So and it's not like a, like it, it feels more cosmic than anything. Like a, a it seems it feels like the more the more I learned about the universe and the openness, and the more lost I felt. Oh yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, remember that phrase, "Ignorance is bliss." Oh, I, th- yeah. I think about it all the time. Yeah, it that when I started doing this type of work, that that little phrase hit me so hard. Like, God damn it! Right. I, I want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back, please. Right. I want to unlearn, <laughs> unknow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Do you find that this is um, life altering for you? Uh, immensely. Okay. So what have you been doing with it right now? Uh, well, I did this podcast. Okay. was one thing. Okay. Um, is this a passion? It is. Um, the other thing I've been doing is freaking out a lot. <laughs> what does that look like? Uh, panic attacks. Ah. Uh. Um, You've been suffering from those for a while, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they started right around when I met you, to be able to tell you the truth. I'm not blaming. Correlation does not equal causation. No, point. no, Good not point. at all. I just remember uh, hanging out and being, like, weirdly in my head. Yeah, you were weirdly in your head. <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. So, are you, I mean, really, it sounds like you're describing just not being very grounded. But what does that mean, grounded? Centered, feeling the connection from the earth below you and just feeling kind of rock solid. Yeah, but what does that even mean? Like, I I think about this all the time. It's like, okay, yeah, everything is nice and beautiful and and I'm not really nihilistic at all, but I still can't figure out how to give things meaning. So do you have any sort of faith in a higher power of any sort? Yeah, I have lots of. In the higher part. I just don't think he cares or it cares. You know what's interesting about that statement? When people come into recovery, they will say, Yeah, I have a belief in a higher power. But then they describe that higher power as being mean. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's and mean. punishing. I don't think he's punishing at all. Or that he doesn't care. I, don't, I just don't, it, it doesn't seem scientifically logical for him to. But having faith in a higher power isn't scientific. Okay. <laughs> Caitlin, do you have anything? She's got nothing. I don't know. And you're awfully defensive. Am I? Yeah. Like everything I'm saying, you're like shooting it down real fast and hard. Uh, How so? Like you don't, you don't want to move from the spot you're in. Ah. Uh, Okay. So let's go from there. Where, where was I? So that, so I don't, I don't notice that. I don't notice not being malleable or flowy. Open to... What? Change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like my language. Flowy. Um, well, when you were first describing it, you were mentioning that you felt like you were someone that you knew and understood, and now you don't necessarily feel that way. And to me, that sounds like like a shift in identity and who you are and understanding of who you are. Is, sure, does that yeah. make sense? Or does that kind of... 
No, it does. Sound like what you're experiencing? Yeah. Hmm. Everyone's going everyone grows, at least that's a goal, isn't it, for us to grow as human beings? I agree. And it's just the grown part like now that now that I feel like I have gotten to a new place. It's not. Well, it's only when we're uncomfortable that we grow. Right. I don't want to grow then. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like shit. I don't want it. Yeah. (laughs) The other big one, like you said, is this whole idea that God is indifferent. I have a lot of problems with that as well. I can't get get my head around the faith in, I don't think it's negative, but I also don't think it's positive. So, okay, going back to people new in recovery and hoping to try to get them to define their higher power differently is so that they don't, you know, ultimately hang themselves up on the cross. Sure. Right. We don't want our, the people that we're working with, they're doing one of the greatest things they possibly can for themselves and for other people that love them. But well, getting sober. Yeah. Okay. But if they have this belief in, in a higher power or God, but a higher power that, is somehow going to be angry or punishing, then where is that wiggle room to be able to grow and make mistakes? But again, I don't think he's mean or, or punishing. What is the word that you're using? Indifferent. Apathetic. Yeah. Because yeah. mm. kind of how I feel about it is uh, everybody is here to experience whatever it is they experience, good or bad. It doesn't matter as long as you're experiencing so if there is good and there is bad, that's just how things are. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're alive and experiencing in general. Hmm. Where'd you get that viewpoint from? From myself. You came up with that all on your own? Yeah. Have you ever have you ever looked into <laughs> laws of karma? Yeah. You have? Yeah, we had a guy in here who was talking about karma last week. Okay. So supposedly because Mm -hmm. who am I to say that this is true? Yeah. Right. Supposedly before we enter our body in this lifetime or any other lifetime, we make a decision on whether we're going to have an easy karmic path, a medium karmic path or difficult karmic path. Depending on your choice is how difficult your life is going to be. God damn it. Uh, pre cognitive, Chris. (laughs) Chris. <laughs> yes, but those of us who pick a difficult path, it, it allows us to grow and make a lot more progress so that, you know, if we're lucky enough not having to come back in human form, we don't have to. But I was told that I was a Pisces and that this was my last go around. That has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying, I've read this. <laughs> I've read this. That's funny. I've never heard that about Pisces. Yeah, Pisces, Pisces in Pisces. general. This means he's on his it's, last life. It's the no. last sign in the cycle. Oh, okay. So I heard that I went through all the signs already and that this is my last go around. And I guess I had to pick the difficult one. I needed to catch, uh, clear some more ground, I guess. So when you were saying that, Eden, I was thinking about someone playing a video game and like, easy, medium, hard. Which level am I going on to? That's right. Apparently... You chose the hard one. I don't know. There's people with harder lives. Maybe I think I picked the sure, medium. But I think I think there's difference between life experiences that you go through and then kind of like the way you think about things and because what you're what you're describing is not necessarily um like a, a traumatic life event that has happened. It's 
the way you're thinking about existing yes. in the world that is causing you pain. Yes. Enough about me. <laughs> Let's get back to you, Edith. I'm sorry. Okay. Caitlin, did you pick an easy, medium, or difficult path? I would say medium. Okay. Yeah. Fair and enough. you? Difficult. Yeah. So fucking difficult. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of like shit happen in my life, but I don't know. I try not to torture myself. I've had some of the experiences Chris is describing when I was like existential fuck what does everything mean and how am i existing and what is it and i don't know how i got out of it i'm sorry i can't yeah. be more helpful thanks kaylin <laughs> yeah well i don't think that there's one right answer how right. do you get out yeah. of that place it's true get to know yourself some more so after you went to what what was the college in colorado called naropa naropa cool. in yeah. boulder i didn't know there was a been to Boulder a few times. It's yeah, nice. some family there. Yeah, you were doing art therapy before or, or Naropa? Naropa. Well, the, I went there to learn art therapy. Okay. I thought I knew what art therapy was when I went into that program. <sighs> I was so wrong. So you you went to UNLV for a while and then you had to start over. So did you get a longer kind of grad school education than most because of your? No, that wasn't. Path? No. Okay, but I mean. I sh- I regret not finishing the addictions program oh, just okay. so that I could have been done with it. Right. Because now it's like, look, I am an addictions counselor. Right. But I don't have the credentials behind my name because mm. I didn't finish that last six months. But you did yeah. all the coursework. You just did didn't all do the, the coursework. Yeah. And now I've been working in the addiction field at, the, at uh, this particular center since 2012. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I am one. Right. Can you go back and like just finish that last six months? Well, in a way, I was just thinking in a way I have. I mean, if I could get at this point, if I could get a supervisor just to sign off on like, yes, she's done the the hours work, then I can definitely done the hours work. You're a supervisor out there. I know. Help me out. Give Eden a call. (laughs) (laughs) So do you you have a specific moment where you're where you were in uh, this school or it was or is like eye opening or like a, like an epiphany of some kind of, or working with somebody where you're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually I was working at a behavioral health um, agency after grad school here in Las Vegas. And these were kids, you know, younger kids. And we talk about having a tough life. They've had a tough go at it. And being able to sit side by side with some of these kids and just give them like, that one window of hope and joy and kindness. It was just, I mean, I I sometimes have kids just start crying because no one ever sits next to them and just meets them where they are, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just felt at that point working with some of these kids, like, wow, this is really important work. What, What is the ratio of adults and kids like that you work with? Um, it's pretty even. Okay. Most people just automatically assume that art therapy is for kids, mm-hmm. but it's not. Uh, yeah, obviously it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. And I, I, I do, I hate to say it, I prefer working with adults because I like the conversation back and forth. You know, okay. I can't really do the transpersonal work with kids. Um, They're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. So I like having, you know, the meaning of the minds as they say. Has there ever been a piece of art that really surprised you? From a client yeah. or a patient? Yeah, for sure. 
mostly the violent ones, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because they can be disturbing and, and be uncomfortable. And you have to, there's a level of concern and worry, like, wow, is this something that they're thinking about doing? But again, you know, we were talking about earlier, art therapy, one of the parts of the magic is that you're getting it out of your psyche mm-hmm. instead of suppressing it. And then it loses power. So really, if I'm working with a kid or an adult for that matter, making violent images, I have to take a step back and really do a a check on the inside and say, how uncomfortable am I around this person? What is the energy Hmm. that they're giving off? Because if they are creating that tense anxiety inside of my body, then perhaps it's something that I need to look further into. Otherwise, allow for the freedom of expression. Let them get it out and let them feel whole and accepted and it be okay. We're allowed to be angry, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard for a kid to be angry. We usually get yelled back at. Mm -hmm. Stop doing that, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's really interesting. It's like you, you spoke about at the beginning that art therapy sometimes does have assessment piece to it where you can do assessment through art. But what you were just describing is kind of sounds like a different type of assessment, like checking yourself and then um, just kind of feeling it out and seeing like, where is this, where's the uncomfortable feeling of discomfort coming from? Yeah. And then moving from there. Yeah. And I think that that's for therapists. I think it's really important for us to continue checking in with ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, is this my bias? Is this right? Right. What, what is this? Because we have to be aware of how much we're uh, projecting onto somebody else. Right. I have a ridiculous question, but it's not really ridiculous to me. I don't know if I should ask it. You got to now. I can always cut this out. (laughs) I'll wait till the end. I'll wait till the end. Why? Go ahead. Go for it. (laughs) So Eden. Yes. Once you finished your program in Boulder, did you immediately come back to Vegas? I did, but for selfish reasons. Oh, what were they? Well, (laughs) <laughs> Does she not want to say, do you not want to say the selfish reason? No, you don't I, have to. I, no I don't care. At the time, I was uh, dating and madly in love with a, uh, a man in the Marine Corps, but he had oh, okay. been deployed to Afghanistan. Oh, okay. He basically was deployed um, a month or something before I graduated. Bummer. And his plan was to come back in nine months and that uh, we would move to, he was going to be stationed in Pasadena after that. And so the plan was that we were both going to go. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, things happen, things happen. And yeah. uh, I didn't end up in Pasadena right away. But the point is, is that after graduation, I kind of was in limbo. Sure. And do I get licensed, go back to Vegas, get licensed yeah, and then move to another state? What and get do licensed? I do? Yeah. So I just uh, my dad was living in Thailand at the at the time and his house was sitting empty here. So I was just like, you know what, I'll just go kick it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but while I was here waiting, you know, in that limbo time, I applied for my licensure and all that jazz. So I'm glad I did it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, because I'm here now. But right, gotta follow the follow your life's path. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't know how I got to podcasting, but oh yeah, all the time I look back and I'm like this is not what I expect expected, but it's better. It's really? better than what I anticipated. Yeah, oftentimes. What was podcasting? No, just life in general. Oh. Like you, you know, when you're a, a child, you're dreaming of your life, and you have something in your mind, and you just keep pushing and following doors that open and doors you break through. And then you have the opposite feeling. I, I, I don't mind where I'm at, but I had way too grand, oh. <laughs> way too grand uh, 
thoughts. Hmm. Hmm. Why? Do you want to be well known? Of course. What's wrong with that, though? What's wrong with having have, that dream? No, it's not. It's not that the dream part that I have. It's the 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 reality of like how much work. Oh. It actually takes to become a person who is well known. Yeah. Okay. You can get lucky, but the fields that I am interested in, which are movie making, music, podcasting, there's some actual hard work and time. Lots of grinding. And it's not that I wasn't, I'm still putting in the work for these things. I'm still making short films and meeting with people and play shows to five people and do this podcast for, you know, the thousand people that listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I'm putting them, it's just incredibly hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when you ain't got no money. Yep. I ain't got no money. Supposedly you do what you're loving, the money will follow, you know. We'll see. Supposedly. Allegedly. 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 Waiting for the windfall <laughs> with open arms. <laughs> I'm still more curious on the actual techniques that you use during an art therapy session. You want me to give you some examples? Yeah. Okay. So let's say like with the addiction population. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Are you guys familiar with the hero's journey? It sounds familiar, but no. I feel like it's something where it's like you're going to do something, but no, you're going to fail. No. Oh, gosh. Actually, you'll appreciate this, Chris, because every great movie, Uh every great story is all based on the formula of the hero's journey. Yes. Yeah. So you know it now. Uh, Familiar with the term. Yeah. Okay. So when I was in grad school at Naropa and in my transpersonal psychology class, we were studying the hero's journey. And by the way, some high school kids learn about the hero's journey in their English class because every great story is ever written is based on this formula. So mm-hmm. they, they teach it to them. But it was in my grad school that, you know, I, I saw it from a different light. You know, I saw the spiritual aspect of it. And the fact that it, these stories are so great is because every story hits all of us in some way or another in our, our own life. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we're we're able to, tr- you know, transcend ourselves into being whoever it is, Luke Skywalker. You know, we can we all have the opportunity to be Luke Skywalker because we can relate to him on some level. Sure. But the recovery journey is exactly to me like the mm-hmm. hero's journey. And it would be hard. I mean, kind of hard to to describe it without looking at the little model of what the hero's journey is. Mm-hmm. But there's stages that you yeah. go through. And it's the same stages that someone goes through in recovery, especially when they come to an inpatient hospital. Like conflict, uh, then leading to some type of resolution. Yeah, basically, but it's usually With struggle an internal. In the middle. Yeah, it's an internal one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't a good example because what I do is I have people think about their recovery okay. as the hero's journey. It's very empowering. Look, you have the power to be your own hero. Sure. In the steps, we're told how powerless we are. So we don't have power. How are you supposed to, you know, feel good about yourselves that you're going to succeed in recovery? Right. Do a lot of if people you're... draw themselves with capes on after this conversation? Because that's <laughs> immediately what I would do. Yeah, why not? I don't know if a lot. Actually, I've been doing a research study with people drawing like these dark, shadowy figures of themselves, mm-hmm. which I find fascinating. Yeah, that I'm is kind interesting. Of trying to dig into the, the reasoning behind that, but. So they draw themselves wherever they feel they are in the stages of the hero's journey, but it's an empowerment piece. Okay. And then we share, you know, we talk about where they are, why they're there and stuff like that. So, um, this is a a directive that I, I made up, 
but um, oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I kind of made up the Harris journey one day. I kind of do my own. To be honest, I don't use anybody else's art directives. I just That's nice. That's good. Oh, so this is like insider information. It is. Thank you for sharing. Oh, this is copyrighted. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that. I'll Could leave it. Could Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it, um, so one of the newer directives that I've been doing at the Addiction Center is some inner child work. So um, I have the, the patients draw me a minimum of three pictures Think of it like a comic strip, right? Mm-hmm. A minimum of three pictures telling me a story, any story they want, but they have to use their non-dominant hand. Whoa, Ooh. that's really interesting. So I get a lot of questions. And of course, they immediately I get the, oh, it's going to look so stupid. Oh, right. It's going to look like kid did it. And I'm like, exactly. That's the point. Yes. Let the kid draw it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I do give them a little bit of background about the inner child. We talk about it and why it's important to touch and touch base and, you know, heal that part. They do the directive. And then while I'm sitting with them, and this is even within the group, we share openly. Someone will share their story. And 95% of the time, it's a story that happened to them in their childhood. Mm -hmm. And it's not good. Which is really fascinating because you yes. don't necessarily say. Nope, I purposely it has to leave be a it open. Story from your childhood. That's yeah, right. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm starting to do some research on this. You it's really a, cool. You need to write a book about this. It's so cool. Or at least you know, submit it to get published. If you guys are going to use this directive, at least give Eden some credit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so okay, so because you know, using your non-dominant hand, it's a direct line to your inner child. Mm-hmm. It's a direct line to your subconsciousness. So. Why not take advantage of it? Mm-hmm. So they draw this picture, they talk about it, and ultimately they end up crying, you mm-hmm. know, and they're like, they want a different ending. Hmm. So after we're done sharing and processing through it, I say to them, okay, now with your dominant hand, give it a different story. Because now they're able to go back and give them themselves self-care, some love and I'm say, this. and say, to reparent that child. That's, that's right. That's really cool. Eden. The I whole, love that. The whole purpose of inner child work is one to identify our inner child, give it some attention and love. And then also for our adult self to turn around and say, Hey, little Eden, I love you. I'm never going to let anyone hurt you. You never have to feel alone. You know, whatever it is that it's upsetting someone in their childhood, your adult self has the power to heal them. And, you know, the people walk out of my group just like, wow, I don't have to be alone anymore. I don't have to feel scared anymore. Whatever it is that their inner child is experiencing. It's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It sounds uh, a lot like, uh, I don't know if you guys watch Avengers, but there's some technology in there in that movie that is, is pretty much exactly what you're talking about. They, they replay old memories in like a virtual reality and then live them out but then able to change them oh that's to, awesome to i didn't feel. know that it, it's funny it's called barf technology but <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious it actually fits there's a whole <laughs> acronym with it uh, people uh, people that are listening that know avengers know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> but that resonates with me uh extreme i think it's extremely clever and smart and powerful i mean yeah it sounds really powerful i like um you know how you pair it with the, the step work where you have to, you know, acknowledge your powerlessness, which is very difficult. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like that exercise gives people some power back and gives them power back in a way that is really unique because it's talking about 
things from your childhood that you can't change, but that inner child that's there that still has the capacity to be healed and that you can heal yourself. You have the tools to do so, which is yeah, super powerful, I think. Yeah. I will say that not everyone, it's interesting. There's one woman that I was working with recently who did this directive and basically like her story was she was outside at a park and she went to have lunch and these uh, older girls pushed her off the bench Mm. and that was the end of it. Like, so we had a lot of places to go with, you know, together on how to heal that. But no matter what, at the end of any suggestion, she would say, no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. She couldn't do it. Hmm. She wasn't ready. Right. And I think that's a really important piece when we're talking about art therapy or any therapy directive, that you have to have a therapist there who can contain it mm-hmm. and, and help them the way that they need to be helped and not just open Pandora's box and say, okay, later. see you later. Right. Deal with all this stuff now. Yeah, because yeah. I had to go back and you know, sit with her and really kind of turn that around to help Mm -hmm. her before she left. Yeah. I think particularly when you're working with trauma Mm -hmm. to be careful to um, not leave someone raw and then push them out into the world and not give them anything to hold on to or any way to cope with where they're at. Yeah. So you're also a part of like an art collective. Yes. Or you started one or something similar to this. Yes. Yeah, so we're not, I'm not really active in it at the moment, but uh, I did open a gallery here in town. It was the largest art gallery at the time, downtown in the wow. arts district. Very cool. Named after myself, which I regret. Why? Yeah. Eden Art Studio and Gallery. I regret that. Why? Sounds cool. Well, you know, unfortunately, about three months into when I opened it, I, I was pregnant. Yeah. So oh. my whole plan of mm-hmm. running this gallery and doing what I wanted to do just went right out the window. The universe is like, you want an art project? Yeah. You right? want to create something? Yep. The greatest art project in the world. Biggity yeah. bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the arts district is not necessarily the healthiest environment. Uh, so oh, downtown. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of hipsters. A lot of hipsters. Yeah. A lot of things that. Don't, yeah, I just will leave it at that. A lot of egos. Um, but I've wanted to protect my energy, mm. right? I'm pregnant and growing a, a new soul. It's just, I didn't want to be around the the negative energy. And That's so very wise. So you haven't really gotten back? I haven't, I, I but I haven't fun? had time. I mean, yeah. I'm a single mom, run my own private practice, work at the addiction center, pretty much do everything on my own. So That's a lot. And I'm you, busy. And you paint when you have time? When I have time, I do. How, uh, I'm, I'm, I already feel like I know this answer, but your son paint? Of course. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, we have art everywhere. Yeah. He's got his big easel and cool. Yeah. Can you see like a, a style yet with him? No, no, he's only three. I'm curious. It's interesting. So my daughter's four and her artwork has changed a lot just mm-hmm. in the past like three months. It's really wild she, sometimes she would be coming to that dev- developmental point where she's no longer mixing colors to only make poop brown yeah right yeah. so now she's like i'm gonna leave the purple over here she does and leave the yellow and over she there. cleans her brush yes the other day she drew a cheetah with spots on it it had too many legs but who am i to say <laughs> it's cool you know yeah it's, it's really interesting but it was a big jump mm-hmm. you know that age is really neat the, the leaps that they make so 
Eden, you work at an inpatient treatment center, mm-hmm. um, but you also have a private practice. I do. Um, when did you make the move to private practice? Was that something you always were doing or is that a more recent project? No, I've been in, well, I've been in and out of private practice uh, for since 2010. Okay. Okay. So quite a while. Yeah. You know, I um, started with a private practice as well as doing, you know, basically an independent contractor work with the behavioral health center. Um, and it just continued to build my practice. But I, I find that because people don't really understand what art therapy is, mm-hmm. uh, or transpersonal psychology for that matter, that drawing people into my practice is a little challenging. So having that extra work at other centers has been very helpful. But again, I also found I'm so passionate about working in the addiction field. I mean, I absolutely love it. So I'm so grateful not only just to have the work, but that I can do what I love with this population, which I absolutely love. Yeah. How do you think you can get the the word out on what art therapy actually is and transpersonal oh, psychology? Man, that is a that is a battle. It's a battle, but it's it's a political battle actually at the Why moment too. Because Karen Pence, you guys know who Karen Pence no. is. Is it Mike Pence's Yes? Oh, wow. She has decided I don't know if you guys like first uh first ladies and second ladies always pick an initiative. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, and they uh-huh. promote that. Like I think um Michelle Obama's was uh, childhood obesity. Yeah, okay. right? Right, right. Whatever. Na- uh, Nancy Reagan was uh the drinking and driving issue. Uh-huh. These big things. Well, so Karen Pence decided she'd pick art therapy. Wow. Which isn't like, but it's not being helpful to you. No, it's the exact opposite. And uh, I earlier like, color. <laughs> no. Well, yes, that is an issue. She, yeah, there's so many issues. <laughs> um, first of all, the administration doesn't care they, about anything. Really. All of their ethics <laughs> for money. go, sorry, go against what <laughs> any professional therapist believes in. Right. We're here to help anybody. Right. Right. They're not. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got agendas, serious ones. So in any case, um, out of the 6,000 licensed art therapists that there is in the United States, over 4,000 of them have boycotted <laughs> our our actual board, American wow. Art Thera- Therapy Association. They've stu- stopped their membership and everything. You're like, we don't Whoa, want. That's crazy. <laughs> the so art therapists are like, we on. don't want your kind around here. Well, <laughs> the kidding. AATA has welcomed Karen Pence. Oh. And has been supporting her. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot against of against all the members. Oh. Members are like, "What the fuck? No!" Yeah. And literally, that's what they're like. Right, get out of here, lady. Yeah. So they've lost a lot of membership and support and any belief that AATA is uh, doing a good thing because of Karen Pence, the association with Karen Pence. Wow, I had no idea that was going on. I know it's a big one, and you will see. You know, like on NBC or ABC, there is a uh, news broadcast about Karen Pence in Japan promoting some grant of starting an art therapy program in Japan. I know it's like, well, (laughs) so they're looking at the, it's a bigger, it's a bigger story that, you know, two thirds or four fifths of the AATA membership is left. It's really horrible. So for someone who might be listening, who is interested in seeking some therapy for themselves. Is there an ideal client that art therapy would be particularly helpful in healing for? Um, you know, no, 
it, it, anybody. You don't have to be an artist. No, you do not have to be an artist. And it's quite common to feel like you need to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to draw. Right. You don't. Because again, the definition of doing art therapy is that it's about the end pro- the the process, not the end product. Right. Get engaged with the materials because each material is going to model whatever it is that you're feeling inside. It's going to come out and it's going to keep you in the present moment and keep you kind of aware of what's going on with you, especially if you didn't know. So it gives us that opportunity to go, oh, what what is that? Why am I feeling this way? Right. Chris asked if you've been surprised by patients' art. I wonder if patients surprise themselves with what they create sometimes. All the time. All the time. So where can listeners find you, Eden? Well, I have, uh, of course, you can always find me on Facebook with Eden Art Therapy. Okay. And uh, I do have a website, which is just EdenArtTherapy.com. I try to keep it simple, mm-hmm. right? my name, and then what I do. Awesome. You can find me. Just Google me. I pop up like seven or eight times. That's good. I mean, some, it's hard to get up there on Google. Yeah. <laughs> We're not on Google. No, not yet. Not yet. You will <laughs> Maybe be. Maybe next week. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, I'm going to ask this question. But I'm probably going to cut it out and or put it secretly at the end. (laughs) Okay. I don't mean for this to be ridiculous. This is a somewhat serious question, but it's going to come out ridiculous. How often do you get people that just draw dicks? (laughs) I get it. In fact, today... It's so funny. There is this guy. Oh, God. He's going to be like 40 years old. Uh-huh. And we were doing this directive called a scribble drawing. I'm leaving it in now. Just, <laughs> and you just close your eyes and you draw a scribble. And then you look at the scribble. And he you drew s- dick. And you see, you know, what's, whatever the first thing you see is what you oh, fill in. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. And I used to do that when I was a kid. When yeah, he would, yeah. That game, like, do a squiggle and then make it into something. Yeah. I remember yeah. a swan one time I drew this is a, by, by the way, that's actually a research-based activity. Cool. It's there's a lot of cool things going on there. But this guy, he said he held up his picture to today and he was like, I know this is a tree, but honestly, the first thing I saw was my twig and berries. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't always happen from people being shitty. Sometimes it legitimately just happens. It's what's on their mind. Yeah, but you know what I find most fascinating is when there's a lot of sexual innuendo in a man or a woman's drawing and they don't see it. And it's like so glaring to me. You're like, like I know that there's some st- there energy there that we need to like work mm-hmm. through, but they're like, they just don't see it. You're like, that's a vagina. <laughs> exactly. They're like, wow. wait, that's my dog. You're like, no, that's a vagina. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I asked it. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you. This was fun. It was fun. And very, very informative. Very informative. I think people uh, should do their own uh, research on what art therapy actually is. Yes. Uh, I think (laughs) people need to open their minds. Yeah. Uh, Same with transpersonal psychology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, transpersonal psychology. Uh, Find out. Super cool. Do your own research. Thank you for sharing. Get on on board. And uh, Mrs. Pence, get off board. Yeah, and Nobody if, you're, wants you. if you're a therapist out there and you're not licensed as an art therapist, do not offer art therapy. Yeah, yeah. you're posing. Unethical. <laughs> Very. So again, thank you. Thank, thank you, Eden. Thank it was you. a pleasure. It was. Yes. Many blessings. Uh, goodbye. Bye.
listen to us on all the major streaming platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all the major streaming platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, 